Coming up on today's show, we got breaking Gronk news and it's NFL draft week. So the whole sports world is focused on football. This is going to be more exciting than that Kevin Costner movie. Ohio legend Chris Rose joins the show to break down his favorite draft prospects and make some bold Browns predictions. Ratings records, secret beard fetishes, and the real reason Joe went to Wisconsin. All of this and much, much more on a log cabin and putting green edition of the T-Homahawk Show. This is a special report from Tama Headlines. All right, everybody, we recorded this entire episode of the Tomahawk Show, and the second that we hit stop record, <laughs> Rob Gunkowski is traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. An unbelievable trade. He's coming out of retirement, being traded from the Patriots to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be able to play with his old buddy, Tom Brady. Hawk, what's your first reaction? Uh, first off, literally, it was the second we turned the the mics off. Like I'm like probably ten seconds after the NFL tweeted that he he was traded. Um, uh, my first reaction is Gronk owes me like a million damn dollars because I asked him point blank what was the better chance of happening, Tom Brady retiring or him coming back, and he told me Tom Brady. As a matter of fact, right here is where you can play the clip, Chris. What is going to happen first? Tom Brady retire or Gronk is going to come back? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, dang, that's a if tough I had question. A, if I had a million dollars in my pocket, which I'll I do, go. I never leave the house without a million dollars cash. Oh, really? Dang. Well, little, little where are you putting this bet on? So I have let's to go make put a this, mill. Let's make a let's mill. Let's make a mill, If you're putting Gronk, a mill on the bet, let's make a mill. What am I putting it on? Help me out put here. It with, uh, wow. Tom Brady retires yeah. or Gronk comes back? I would say back. Tom retires. Tom retires? Yeah. Shit. Wow. So, yeah, I, I think it's BS. But I, we always kind of felt like he was coming back because he never committed to being like, I'm done. He always even positioned it like he just needed a break. Right? And I think he got that. And for whatever reason, it seems he was excited about the prospects of not, you know, having to play in New England. So Rob Gronkowski decided to take the equivalence of a gap year. Do you know what a gap year is, Hawk? I do know what a gap year is. So a gap year, for those of you out there that don't know what it is, is once you finish high school, you're not quite ready to go to college yet. You're not ready to put your big boy pants on just yet. You want to have a year of doing nothing. You just need a year away from school, a year away from studying, and you want to just get away and do whatever the hell you want for a year. That's exactly what Gronk did. And it's interesting. The very first thing that I thought was, okay, We see Tom Brady, he kind of forced himself out of New England by last year when he decided to sign the one-year extension in New England. He made made sure that there was a no-franchise clause in the contract Mm -hmm. so that he could be a free agent, and then he could get out of New England and go wherever he wanted. And so this year he decided to sign with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He felt like that was the best situation. Boom, he's gone. Gronk seems to have wanted to get away from Bill Belichick and the Patriots so badly that he was willing to retire and take a gap year and then come back and be able to play in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. So I tried to do the same thing, um, but the Patriots refused to relinquish my rights, even to this day. they want, If I came back tomorrow, they would. there's no way they said I'm playing for anybody but the New England Patriots. Um but yeah, What's no, your that, take? Do you do you feel like players are that miserable in New England? Because you were there. I don't. Are those guys that miserable in that locker room overall that they're willing to do anything to get out from under Bill Belichick and his? I regime? don't think. I don't think that's it. I don't. Or is think it just the guys that have been there for a long time? It just wears on them. You're you're giving two choices that no matter how I slice or pick either one of them. It's well, that's what a great like... media member does. They give you two <laughs> options that both are unsuitable for you, but you have to take one of the paths, and you have to die of a fiery death of a dragon or a, a team of knights have to chop your head off. What would yeah, you like? I, I think it's honestly like I, yes, there's a lot of pressure. In New England. I wasn't there during the seasons, but even in the offseason, it felt like we were in the middle of a playoff run. The, the, how much pressure. They put these unrealistic expectations on people and force you to deliver. It's why they're very good. Now, things have changed dramatically. Obviously, Tom Brady's not there. We have no idea what this new-look Patriots team is going to look like. I think for Gronk, for his own mentals, he just needed to get away from that shit, man. I think in his mind, it was just like, yo, I don't like what I'm becoming, and I need to step away from the game. I mean, we've seen this a couple times. I mean, Marshawn Lynch did it. 
um, Brandon Lloyd receiver. He just took a year off where guys are just like, yo, I need a break. And they never announced they're going to come back in one calendar year. It's just like, yo, I'm going to retire from the game. And then, you know, the situation, whatever happens, whatever team they decide is the best fit, they end up coming back. I think for Gronk, it was just literally he needed to to free his mind up a little bit. He needed to have the ability to miss football. And sometimes when you do that, it helps you grow more fond. And I think this time around, he's going to appreciate the process a lot more. We're probably going to get an even funner version of Gronk on the field than we've ever seen because he's really not going to give a shit. <laughs> well, especially because he's going to be back in Florida. You know, he yep. he's a he's a Miami guy. I don't know. He I don't think he grew up there. He didn't, no, he's, he's just definitely a Miami guy. <laughs> he went to Arizona for college, but like for some reason, everyone just associates Gronk with Miami and having that big Super Bowl party in Miami. The Gronk did Gronk live party. in Tampa? No, I think his agent is Drew Rosenhaus, who's in Miami. But other than that, I don't think there's like a solid connection other than he just loves the party and he loves Miami. Um, so it makes sense that being away a little bit and coming back will give us a more fun and appreciative Gronk, which is going to be cool, especially because he won't be with the Patriots, who tend to be a little bit restrictive with how their athletes uh, perform and behave. And uh, I think he could be really fun. But, you know, people ask me a lot, hey, are you going to come back? And certainly Gronk coming out of retirement, I'm sure there'll be a, f- a few Twitter people that'll hit me up about, hey, are you going to come back? But my body is so fried. And I thought that Gronk was similar as far as how many injuries he had and how banged up he was. And that's a big reason why he retired. Um, and it, to me, it just seemed like he was flirting with the idea of coming back because he just kind of enjoys the attention and he appreciates people still thinking about him. And I can understand that. But to have him legitimately be like, yo, I am ready to come back, especially because I know that he's sort of been working out, but. He didn't exactly look like the same Gronk when we saw him in Miami. He lost a lot of weight. He looks much more like a basketball version of Gronk than like the yoked up Megatron uh, RoboCop Gronk that we've seen when he was playing for the Patriots. So he's going to need to bulk up a little bit. Yeah, no, for sure. And I I think I remember interviewing him and asking him. And every time I would say that, I would be like, oh, yeah, you're not playing. Look how skinny you are. And he would always be like, well, all I have to do is just eat a little bit. Like he would always like kind of bounce back like at my comments. Like, well, don't say that because all I would have to do is this. Almost like tricking him into doing it. But actually, I just looked it up. So I was looking for houses to buy in Tampa because I used to go there in my off seasons for like three years. And I remember being uh, on a visit in this neighborhood and a guy told me like, oh, Rob Gronkowski lives in this neighborhood. So when I said that, I thought that was public knowledge, but it was actually from this visit. He actually lived in Tampa and his brothers would go down there and they would just party it up, as you would imagine, in South Tampa. So it's probably going to be a lot of that happening. This is like one of those moves where it's like, okay, my former quarterback who I love is now in Tampa. I used to live there. I love this city, you know, and he's like, this is a perfect case scenario. Why wouldn't I do this? So more power to him. One thing that's interesting, you mentioned the obvious reasons why he would want to go there, but there's a lot of NFL players that talk a lot about wanting to play their last few seasons in warm weather. Hawk, I'm mm-hmm. sure you can relate because yeah, anybody that's got arthritis and that got, that has bumps and bruises can understand that when you play in cold weather, that shit pops up and it, <laughs> it hurts, hurts way, way more. When you're old and you're beat up and you're trying to get those muscles and those joints loosened up, when you're in cold weather, that's tough, but... When you're down there in the humidity and the heat, like you feel just so much better. So it's not a big surprise that Gronk could be saying, you know, my body feels pretty banged up and these New England winters make things pretty tough to get ready for games and practices. But you go down to Florida, all of a sudden those joints have a lot more lube in them. The the knees, you could run a little bit more. It's like the Tin Man getting a little bit more oil when you're down there playing in that warm weather when you're an old man. Dude, I mean, all eyes are going to be on Tampa. He got to be watching. He got to stay off Dale Mabry. That's not a place where Gronk needs to be. But, uh, but yeah, man, no, this is this is crazy stuff, to be honest. And it does kind of change the dynamic of the league. Um, could you imagine it? I don't know what the kind of moves the Bucks are going to make or the situation. It's all very fresh. But O.J. Howard and Gronkowski with Tom Brady and uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Like, I would imagine that O.J. Howard – is odd man out or they're just like, Hey, we're just going to have all these juggernauts. And I mean, if you, if you can keep OJ Howard right now, I think you keep him. but 
this gives them a really good opportunity to maybe trade OJ Howard, especially going into the draft. Yeah. It gives them some flexibility. Yep. Uh, they don't have to keep him now. They've already got Gronk there. They can keep him. Like it just gives you more weapons and it gives the defense more problems from a matchup standpoint when you have all these guys. And Gronk is well known when he was in New England splitting out. If he's got a linebacker on him, they can't run with him. If he's got a safety on him, they're not big enough. And so you've got a lot of options there and defenses can't be right. And then you throw an OJ Howard in there and you throw yeah. Mike Evans and some of these other studs. Um, so they got a lot of options, but I want to ask you this question. So we yeah. talked about some guys that took a year off and had a little mental rejuvenation and wanted to come back. Do we see Andrew Luck come back? He was a guy that retired at the beginning of the season last year. He said he needed some mental space. He didn't like the person he was becoming. And mm-hmm. potentially, maybe, do we see him coming back? Ah, oh, that's a good question, man. I don't know. If I had to pick. Because he would be the next guy, I would think, naturally. Like, retired young, still healthy. Yep. Plenty of good football left in him. Just needed a mental year off to come back and get that fire burning inside of him again. I could see that. If you were saying, hey, pick that if Andrew Luck is never coming back, and if he's coming back, I would go 51-49 that he he is going to come back. It wouldn't be this season. I could see him come back for the 2021 season. Again, you take those years off, man, and you you get home and you're like, it's kind of boring here. Um, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, I want something to do. I need a purpose. I need a... uh, And you still have the ability, right? And you're seeing guys take over the league and I could just see that competitive fire flaring back up in a guy like Andrew Luck because he was so good. It's not like he was a middle of the pack guy, you know. He, from a talent standpoint, he was a top five talent. That's that's amazing, you know. The, there's nothing emotionally that can compare to walking into a packed stadium, home or away, whether yeah. they're cheering for you or jeering for you. The emotionally heightened state that your mind gets into in that situation cannot be replicated outside of maybe. No, if you're no. in like a, a life and death situation and you get addicted to it, it's an adrenaline rush. It's a it drug, is. just like anything else. You talk, talk to soldiers that have a lot of deployments overseas. And they talk about being in that combat zone, that like mm-hmm. heightened mental alertness that you have. And as stressful as those situations are, your body kind of misses those emotions because daily life for most of these dudes, when they're done, even Gronk for as much as he parties and still enjoys the limelight, like nothing could compare to doing the things that you did from an athletic standpoint on the stage you were on in front of 80,000 people catching touchdown passes in the Super Bowl. Like you miss that. And if you feel like you still have something left in your body, like why not go out and do that and make $10 million? Exactly. It's not a shabby gig. Are we going to see prime Gronk or are we going to see maybe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are thinking, oh, we can pair him with O.J. Howard and have a one-two combination similar to how the Patriots had when they had Hernandez and Gronk together. I don't think the Bucs will want to trade O.J. Howard because we don't know how many years Gronk has left. The dude was retired. He didn't play football last year. And honestly, like you said, he's much skinnier. He was already really banged up. He had all sorts of injuries. And I just – I'm going to take you back. If you remember the last season that he played, remember the – Patriots went down to Miami and were playing against the Dolphins when they sucked. And the Dolphins threw a Hail Mary and they had Gronk on the end line trying to do the knock the ball down Hail Mary play. And the pathetic attempt that he made trying to use athleticism to make a (laughs) tackle on that play kind of made everybody think like, oh, Gronk is old. Like watching him out there, everyone was like, he he doesn't have much left. He's old. He looks old. Right. Now think he's two years removed from that and a whole year of not doing football stuff. Yeah, okay, he said he's been working out. He clearly hasn't done a lot of weightlifting because he's much skinnier. But like, right. what version of him are you going to get? He can still catch passes. You don't lose your hand-eye coordination. He can still be bigger than people. Like, yeah, no duh. But is he going to be the athletic version of Gronk that made him one of the best tight ends of all time? He has had a year of taking CBD oil, so oh <laughs> yeah, that's right. And maybe selling it. So maybe yeah. he took a year off to sell weed. Ten million that much. Yeah. <laughs> he took a year off to sell weed. Now he's back to win a Super Bowl. Are you looking for the perfect gift for mom or another loved one? Nowadays, staying in touch with the ones we love is more important than ever, and the easiest way to do it is with Skylight, a photo frame you can email photos to anytime from anywhere. 
I'm not able to visit my mom and dad or my grandparents as often as I'd like to, which is why I love the Skylight Frame. It's a touchscreen photo frame you can email photos to, and they appear in seconds, so mom can see your favorite moments. Skylight Frame has a gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen where you can swipe through photos with your finger and tap to thank the person who sent the photo. You can even preload it with your favorite photos for a special Mother's Day gift. Their customers love Skylight. One Facebook review said, This is such an isolating time as we are just trying to keep my grandma safe and healthy. But this gives her a little glimpse of us every single day. Now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash hawk and enter code hawk. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash hawk and enter code hawk. That's S-K-Y. L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash Hawk. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Tomahawk Show. I am your co-host, the humblest of all co-hosts, Joe Thomas. With me as always, my man, my main man, Andrew Hawkins. Hawk, what is going on today? Not much, man. You know, I'm gearing up for the NFL draft. I'm at the crib. I've been in my garage for a month because that's the only place I can get work done. So I'm in the process of building a fake studio in my garage. Yeah, you're a guy that is kind of a homebody as is. So this yeah. quarantine isolation has been right up your alley and you've taken it to the next level. We were talking before we got on here that you're actually building an entire studio in your house so that you really never have to leave. But I'm just curious what all goes into building a home studio. Yeah, so it's uh, it sounds a lot more robust when you say it, um, but it's like. Oh. I have like a backdrop that people will be able to see that are watching on our YouTube. Go watch our YouTube at Uninterrupted. Also follow us on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram at Tomahawk Show. Uh, And then I like just did a bunch of like DIY projects. So like I ordered these like fake brick wall peeling sticks off of Amazon. And I had some old like rubber flooring I got from Dick Sporting Goods, like a, a 24 square foot thing you put under a weight room that I wasn't using. So I just stuck those together and put the, the peeling stick over top of it and made a fake wall. So now I have a, a wall I can move around. I bought some cheap lights off of Amazon. I brought a, a little camera, some microphone. I've already had a lot of this stuff. So when I retired, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to get into media, but I'm like, there's no way some idiot is going to pay me to be on TV or actually give me an opportunity to do a job. So I'm going to have to do this myself. So I bought a bunch of stuff off of Amazon back in 2017, right after I retired. And it just sat in the closet for three years. And I've had it in my house and I've literally unboxed 80% of it this past two weeks. It kind of looks like you robbed the Four Seasons and stole their entryway, <laughs> like lobby wallpaper with that yep. uh, living wall that you got behind you. Uh, meanwhile, I'm still here in the basement bedroom uh, at the farm <laughs> here, and I've got blood on my shirt, if you can tell. Uh, my, my littlest daughter, Reese, who is like 19 months old, and my oldest daughter, they were playing today, and she put her on this little stool that I have. It's one of those like work on a car type stools that uh-huh. it's just a little stool, but it's on casters, it's on wheels and it also spins. So my oldest was like pushing my youngest around. And of course uh, she fell right on her face. Boom. That's human blood. Had to hit. Yeah. Human blood. Head oh, wow. Hits the pavement. <laughs> Boom. She smokes her nose, gets a bloody nose. And so as I was trying to like clean it up and console her, every time she sobbed, <laughs> She sprayed blood all over me, and that happened, like, right before this show. So no time to change. I feel humbled being in the presence of your great studio that you got going on out there in L.A. Hey, man, we can't all be as innovative as a a young rocket, Joe. And, oh, look who just dropped into the Tomahawk Zoom. Our guy Chris Rose is in the building. Chris, what up, man? Nothing. I'm just trying to keep my beard up to the level of, uh, you know, the Tomahawk duo here. I don't. You know know what? Hawk, you win. You Thank win. you. Thank you. Well, I cheated. I feel like I was, he started a little early. Yeah. I started about a month and a half early, but because <laughs> I feel was, it. Do you feel it in at all? Or is that oh natural? Yeah, I do a little. I do a little touch up, Chris. A little, yeah. little, little fill in action. I got a little patch. The first thing I noticed when you came on was your flow. I'm not going to lie. I was like, damn, yeah. Chris. Looks nice. You yeah, look no. good with a beard, bro. Yeah. You know what? It's different. So when when we started this whole thing, uh, I wasn't doing anything either on TV or, or digitally. And now we're doing intentional talk, my baseball show, three days a week uh-huh. across all of our social media platforms. But my wife was like, you've never had a beard. We've been married 
20, almost 23 years. So she was like, why don't you try it? And then all of a sudden, yeah, she started looking at me different. I was like, like, this thing's staying for a while. (laughs) Well, then you start wondering why she likes guys with beards. You're like, but I've never had a beard before. Like, (laughs) has this been a secret fetish that you just didn't tell me about? Like, what's going on here? You know, I really got the clue once we hired Stefanski. She was like, who is, who is that? I was like, yeah, you know, he's, he's good looking. He's got the beard going. She's like, it's very similar to the Browns coach's beard. She's like, except the rest of you is not very similar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. I I like a good excuse to grow a beard. You know, when you're playing and you're an offensive lineman, it's Mm -hmm. kind of second nature to grow a a grizzly beard, but you get into the media space and you feel like you need to kind of clean up and everything. So, so it's, it's yeah. Yeah. It looks good, Chris. You're gonna get you're gonna get extra jobs for this, man. You might you might I might need them. Actually, yeah, kind of looks point. like the brawny All man. Of us do. Yeah, for the brawny man. That's a good call on that. So, what, what kind of media have you been doing in the quarantine? You say you do your baseball show. What other yeah. things have you been? And and how has it been trying to do all this from the house? Well, for me, actually, it's weird. It it hasn't changed because for those of you that have tuned into Intentional Talk over the years on MLB Network, which would be about based never on miss an ratings, episode. Three or four of you. <laughs> right. Um, you're, you're looking we at actually, two of the three right here. Right. We we do the shows from our respective homes. Kevin Millar, who played a dozen seasons in the big leagues, uh, won the you know 2004 championship with the Red Sox. He mm-hmm. lives in Austin, Texas. He's got four kids. I live in L.A. I've got two. And for one week a month during a baseball season that's not interrupted by a pandemic, we would go up to the home studios in Secaucus, New Jersey, and do the show together. So really, this is nothing new for us. Um, right. Now, things are going to change Thursday night for the draft when I'm hosting Total Access right after the draft is over. So if you're tuning in on ESPN, hopefully you're watching on NFL Network. If you are, just keep it tuned right there. If you're watching on ESPN, flip on over to us and we'll be there to break it all down. It's going to be a little different um, because there's some technological hula hoops we have to jump through. Well, that's what I was curious. I, I, one of the issues for me, I was supposed to be on all week with NFL Network doing draft coverage in mm-hmm. LA early in the week and then going out to Vegas. But uh, because of trying to get all these people going live at the same time, I'm only going to be doing pre-recorded stuff. So when you're doing Total Access, is that the studio that you're going to be doing it from? Are you going to have that full Cleveland backdrop? I love well, it. Uh, yeah, no, I, you know what? I brought this out special for you just like – Well, thank you. The- the yes. Cleveland against the world t-shirt. Oh, I, love it. I wouldn't put my Cleveland jersey on too that I just got from the Browns. Oh, is uh, that where you went in the yeah. end? Yeah. Huh. I couldn't let him nice. out. I couldn't. Oh, you didn't get one? No, I, unfortunately, um, uh, I guess things are, are slowly migrating. But you live out in California too, don't you, Hawk? Uh, yeah. He, he's yeah. a lot closer. His green. part of California though. Right. I'm yeah, like right by yeah. Cleveland. Actually, he's in like the two-day window. I was wondering if that was a Willis Adams jersey. You don't even know who Willis Adams is, dude. I don't. But when I got it in the mail, I opened it up. And the first thing that came to my mind, it was like, oh, it's a Trav Benjamin jersey. <laughs> it's cute. The it's a cute little try. It's not bad. It's not bad. You could give it to Rabbit. That's cool. Yep. See? Um, I did not get mine, so I'm just displaying my legendary Jim Brown mm. jersey, which, mm. by the way, have the full Amazing. sleeves rocking and everything. It's Ball sleeve. I was hoping that they would go back to the full sleeves look when they unveiled the new uniform. That would have been a true throwback. But, Chris, what do you think about the new Browns uniforms? Well, I heard how much uh, you don't care about talking about this at all. Because you're like, I don't even bother one, one, you know, minuscule brain cell about it. I don't care how I look. I was happy about everything except the lack of orange pants, which I understand Mm. they're trying to now migrate into the – uniform situation so hopefully that'll that'll be handled everything else i thought was really really good so i thought as far as all the teams that have busted out new uniforms in the off seasons they're way better than the patriots way better than the buccaneers i mean let's not even start the atlanta falcons discussion and the only one that is probably a little better are the chargers you like the chargers really you like the chargers no you don't i do i didn't like them don't don't love the logo really don't love it Joe, you are tough to satisfy. The Chargers <laughs> or the Rams, Joe? The Rams logo or the Chargers logo? 
Uh, maybe I'm thinking the Rams. Yeah, the, Rams that, that, the Rams logo is the horrible one that you can't even tell what it is. Right. It looks like it a looks like Chargers. My mistake. That's, right, That's exactly. why I was confused. That's I was okay. thinking the Rams logo, which made me think Chargers because it looks kind of like a wave, kind of exactly. like a surfer, right? That's the one I'm thinking of. Now, That's by the way, speaking of sports logos, Joe, you might be wearing the all-time best sports logo of any North American sports team. For those of you that are tuning in just on audio, he's wearing a Milwaukee Brewers that's a good Hawk, logo. I know you're not the biggest baseball fan, but that has the M and the B in there for Milwaukee Brewers, if you can't quite see it. Oh, I and do. Also, there you go. Looks That's like just a baseball my first time glove. actually seeing it. Yes, yes. 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 It's so a good, I see a good baseball logo. glove. It is a great logo. Yeah. It's a good Kudos logo. Kudos to Milwaukee. My, my, uh, my team that I grew up with, I, I was never a ginormous baseball fan, but mm-hmm. I always enjoyed going to Miller Park. And before that, it was County Stadium. Old County Stadium. It, yeah. It's a great it's a great way to spend an afternoon, especially as a kid with your dad going to the ballpark and cheering on the Brewers, listening to Bob Euchre on the radio when I'm yep. back home. So a lot, a lot of good memories with the I Brewers. grew up a baseball fan. You did? Yeah, way back in the day. I used to collect baseball cards. But it was different back then. I mean, I'm like a young kid. That like there was there's no black players to look up to for a kid. Yeah. So people in my community, like all of my friends were baseball fans. Like right. The David Justices, like we were all Braves fans and Right. Yeah, we used to have all the cards and I played till I was like sixteen and then I just stopped caring. I don't know why. That's okay. You, it's okay. You weren't a Pirates fan? I wasn't, man. I wasn't. Hmm. I I mean, I don't know. I was like, cause I, I'm from a town when you when you're from a place that is like that close. But not it. It's mm. a weird dynamic. So I'm from like Johnstown, mm. which is like an hour and 15 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. And it very much is Steeler country. Everyone is Steeler fans oh, yeah. and Pirates fans. But like I would have people from Pittsburgh that are family. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, hometown Pittsburgh. They're like, you're not from Pittsburgh. <laughs> and wow. so then it, it for me, it made it feel like, oh, yeah. So why am I repping them? Let me just go pick mm. whatever team is good. So I was a big bandwagon fan back then. That's OK. You know, there's there's plenty of those around. You know, believe me. What are you going to do? All right. So it's draft week. I'll be hosting a draft Twitter show for a pregame show. Love um, it. Here from my home studio that I built this week. Chris, what what are we? uh, What is this? Is this like some sort of putting green behind you? Yeah. (laughs) I thought he robbed the four seasons and took the wallpaper down in the lobby area. So this is my attempt at a home studio. What Uh, is how far we've gotten? Seriously, what is is that fake grass that you put in the backyard and you just had some extra rolling around the crib? It's like it's, if you could see, where I'm actually in my garage. Ah, yes, it's uh, every on, bit of the real studio feel. It's fake. Everything is fake. Life. Why is you fake. get pushed out to the garage, man? Cause, man, I mean, you know, L.A. You don't have any room anywhere, and my kids are like nuts, so they're not going to be like, "Oh yeah, Dad, do your show. We'll be quiet." So it's like <laughs> you want to do if you want to do your media thing, go in the garage. So here I am. Now, Joe personally built his log cabin that yes. he's joining us right. right now. Right? I, I built this one in the them. last one month. This one of is all log hand-hewn logs behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, has, Joe, you really look like you are living like a living Paul this. Bunyan. This yeah. is my kid's bunk bed. And this is crazy. They build right there with their little flannel blanket when they get cold at night. Because it's it still gets cold here in Wisconsin in well, uh, in April. That room you're in is like the size of like all of our houses in L.A. <laughs> yes, that is true. You can get a lot more for your money in Wisconsin than you can in L.A. Uh, I've been I haven't heard that. Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard that, no. <laughs> all right, so we're going to break down some players. And we're going to keep it very top level here, Chris. Have you been d- digging in at all to the draft prospects? For this year, Did, didn't I just tell you I was hosting the post? Yeah, show? but I host a All lot right. of shows that I don't so, really know. Okay, here look we go. At, look at the binder. Oh, wow, you're oh, in. This oh, is yeah, this is just the binder for the first uh, three rounds. So this hopefully oh. should get me through Friday night. Wow. Now, uh, my wife put an old draft photo on here because she said this is the hottest photo I've ever taken in the last. 10 oh, years. you do look pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. If only you had a beard, she if would really be turned on. Believe me, <laughs> she wouldn't leave my side. Instead, she's. I don't know what she's doing. So, yes, <laughs> I, I have no idea where she's at. I have been Big studying those rugrats. Uh, everything. Uh, now, we don't have rugrats. We have like grown children around here. I got two boys that are 19 and 14. Oh. It's ridiculous. They're hairier oh. than I am. It's, it's <laughs> their beards are better than yours. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. They listen when you tell them to be quiet and you're on TV, probably a little bit better than the little ones me and Hawk have. Right. Yeah. No, but that's more fun. That's Mine real. Cuss when the same oh, yeah. Do they really cuss? No, no. Just sometimes when I'm mad oh. at me. Um, yeah, just no. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so let's name some prospects here. We're going to start things off. Mm-hmm. I need both of you to give me the prospect that you're like, this guy for sure 
is going to be an all-pro. The future surefire all-pro stud of this draft is who? Chris, you're the guest. We'll give it to you first. I'm going with Jerry Judy, receiver out of Alabama. I love him. Uh, They have produced receivers. Remember, when I I was growing up, with the exception of Ozzie Newsome, who, of course, became a Hall of Fame tight end with the Browns, but was actually a a flanker at, Uh at Alabama when we drafted him in the first round in 78, Alabama didn't have great receivers because they didn't throw the ball a ton, right? Right. So over the last decade, really starting with Julio Jones, who of course ended up in Atlanta because the Browns traded yeah. back. Ooh, out of that, yeah. spot. That, yeah. that one hurt me a little bit. Sorry. That one hurt me being there when we could have taken Julio Jones. Did you Did you think we were taking him? I did because we needed a receiver. He right. was like your surefire, big, strong, fast, physical mm-hmm great character guy it's almost like well that's a no-brainer that that's the guy you pick now we did get a lot of draft choices in exchange for that trade but of course we swapped all of them stop 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 with the we got a lot of draft choices do we know one that turned out i think we ended up drafting phil taylor that year phil Uh, yeah we we traded back and drafted phil who else is a part of that we got another first rounder, I think, the next year. I, we did. I, this would be all off the top of my head, so I'd hate to be wrong, but well, I'm not sure who that turned no. into. Well, that turned into Manziel? No, 2012 ended up, we got two draft picks. We got Whedon was the second one, and Trent Richardson was the first ah, one. How's so this we going got Whedon out Pretty of well? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, let's not let's not revisit those. I'm still no, okay, so Jerry a, Judy. A yes. Jerry Judy. <laughs> yes. um, Jerry Judy. Uh, I I love everything he brings. Of course, Henry Ruggs is the other receiver that's going to go in the first round from Alabama, and he's the true speedster. Everything I've read, and Hawk, I'm sure you've been watching a little bit of tape on some Mm -hmm. of these top wideouts, and we keep hearing it's the best wide receiver class perhaps ever, that he runs great routes, which I love hearing about. You know, I I don't need a guy that is always going to run 4-3-2. It helps, but I want to make sure a guy's in the right place when my quarterback is throwing the ball. So I love that about him. I also love the fact that he could have not played in the Orange Bowl against Michigan because they were knocked out. Tua was injured. He had already accomplished everything. Instead, not only did he come back, he set personal records, I think, in terms of receptions and maybe receiving yards as well. He wanted to be Mm -hmm. there. He wanted to play with his guys. I don't necessarily hold it against guys like Christian McCaffrey when he didn't play in his bowl game, but I do give a little extra check mark for guys who do come back and play in bowl games when they don't quote unquote mean anything. So to me, particularly at the wide receiver position, if you are all about the team, you're all right in my book. Yeah, I like that. I'm not going to give too much analysis on him because I have him later on in okay, this game. Got it. But you are spot on. Joe, who do you got? Who's your who's your can't miss future all pro stud? So I've actually got two. One is Jedrick Wills. He's the offensive tackle from Alabama, the right tackle. I went back and watched film on the top four tackles this week because there's been so much conversation and so much chatter about who's the number one guy, who should the Browns take, where are these guys going to fall. And so I really wanted to feel good about my talking points and my conversation around all those guys. And he was the one guy that when you watch him, he just pops right away. The movement skills he has, the ability to create power, the the ability of him to be able to stop guys that are trying to bull rush him he is just the total package when i watch how suddenly he can move the quickness he has the great technique he has and then you talk to guys in the league and how much nick saban says that he was a great person he was a great locker room guy to me he's the total package but uh since i don't know anything about offensive linemen i'm going to talk specifically about cornerbacks wait a minute hold on hold the hell up bro hold on time out i love jeff okuda take multiple players and give full blown expert explanation and then no. pick somebody else. No, that, I was just telling you why I wasn't going to pick Jedrick Wills. <laughs> and I'm actually going to pick Jeff oh Okuda. Because this is like my to... dad telling a story. <laughs> exactly. So let me tell you about the one I'm not Let me tell you about uh, the old days. This is great. Uh, I love Jeff Okuda because he's the next Darrell Rivas physical. Mm. He's a great press man guy. He's got the long speed that you need. He's got the size and he's got the ball skills. And in today's NFL, to be able to have a lockdown corner that can play press man, that can go into all 32 NFL defenses, start from day one. To me, that's exactly the type of guy that gets picked in the top five. And he's got the surefire ability to be that guy that makes 10 Pro Bowls and goes to the Hall of Fame. May I ask right. a question, teacher? Yeah, sure. yeah, go ahead. I want to get back to Jedrick Wills because he was on a Cleveland radio station and recently, and he said that the transition from right tackle to left tackle 
It's like learning to wipe your ass with the other hand. I heard that and I loved it. I loved him so much more after I heard that. (laughs) Okay. If that is in fact true, I'm 49 and I've been going with the same hand the entire time. I don't think, yeah, I just don't think, I don't think I would ever leave the bathroom if I had to reteach myself at this point. Just don't wipe. Does it worry you if the Browns take him at 10 that you're not getting a true left tackle? So I called Mitch Schwartz two days ago when I was mm-hmm. driving out to my farm. And About I an hour to drive come back to the Browns. He said no. It's, so it's, it's, transition. It's, it's, it was the, the Browns that said no. They said thank yeah. you very much for he, your service. He said he'll do it for minimum. The Browns said that's too much. We won't pay that much. So he made the transition in in college. He was a left tackle. I think yep. the last two years right. moved to right tackle. So he made that transition. And after I watched the film on these guys, I wanted to call him and just get his perspective because I'd been using him as an example when I go on the radio shows and say, look, Mitchell Schwartz did it. He's an all pro right tackle. It was no problem. He took a little bit of the offseason to just get comfortable doing it. But it's not like the DNA involved with being right handed or left handed. When you grow up and you start throwing a, a baseball or a football, you're either right-handed or left-handed. When you start writing, it's just natural. That's in your DNA. But playing left tackle or right tackle is not something that's in your DNA. It's a learned trait. And so when you're in college, you have reps, but you don't have so many reps that that muscle memory is impossible to overcome and switch. A guy that I would be concerned with is if you played seven or eight years as a right tackle or a right mm-hmm. guard, and all of a sudden they said, okay, go play on the left side. And to think you're going to get the same player I think that's a big learning curve and you might have an issue with a guy switching like that. But a guy coming out of college is still kind of a blank canvas. He's got a lot of reps, but he doesn't even have the number of reps you're going to get in one NFL season in four years in college. And so to me, I think you give him three months and that transition from right to left is a non-issue with a college player. And I know that people will say, well, they're not going to have an off season. So are you willing to have him learn on the job his rookie season? And my answer is I'm okay with that because in the draft, I'm drafting for the long term. You're going to have these guys wrapped up for five years. So if the first couple months of the season, he's maybe not performing at an all pro level. I'm okay with that because you know what? By year two, three, four, five, I got that all pro guy. I'd rather have an all pro for four years, the last four years of a deal, than a guy who's pretty good from day one and then never becomes that pro bowl or all pro player. You don't agree with him, do you? Not in the current state of the Browns. I mean, yes, you draft for the long term, but there's a lot of people that aren't going to be there for the long term if indeed he doesn't mature and develop as fast as they need him to. So what I'm saying is not that he's going to be a bum from day one just because he's transitioning from right to left. I guarantee he's already been taking pass sets all day, the whole offseason, from a left-handed stance because he knows that if he's getting drafted in the top 10, almost every team in the NFL is probably going to put him right at at, at left tackle on the left Mm -hmm. side. So he's already been practicing on his own. It's just a matter of getting that high-level coaching and getting that competition in practice against a guy like a Miles Garrett where it really accelerates that learning curve. So I think three months of practice, and he's going to be saying, I never even knew I played on the right side, and all that muscle memory that he had from college – will be gone. So it's it's not an issue for me. I still think no matter uh, right tackle or left tackle, you draft a tackle and you put him in there. And as soon as he shows up day one, he starts practicing and it's just a matter of relearning it. And I think he can do it no problem. I agree because he, he has to learn even from right tackle from the college to right tackle to the league. Yeah, that's still true. Gotta, it's not that much different. Yeah, it's like you're learning a completely new game because it's a whole new ball game. All right, right, you guys are terrible at this game. We are five players Thank in, you. and I, I haven't even gone yet. Yeah, um, <laughs> so Chase Young is my all pro can't miss player. Yawn. Uh, I, I would, no, man, this dude is legit, Chris. I know. I'm telling you. I know, I mean, I mean, but we all know that. That's why it's called the Surefire All-Pro Stud. Here's here's my devil's advocate. I would even argue, okay, give me the devil's advocate in a second, but I'm going to say this. Even if the I, people would kill them if this happened, I, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I don't think it'll happen. But even if the Bengals pissed, picked Chase Young, I wouldn't be mad. I think that would still be a smart pick. Joe, the floor is yours. So I would say after quarterback, the next most impactful position on the field is pass rusher. I think we might all agree on that. Yeah. If not pass rusher, then maybe slot you would receiver. say left tackle, uh, short slot receiver that catches Boom. 10 balls a year. Yep. And then <laughs> lockdown cornerback. But uh, here, here's devil's advocate with Chase Young. 
when I watched him in college, he was so much bigger, faster, and quicker than everybody he went against that he never showed me any elite pass rush moves to beat guys. He just ran around him and but sacked the But how many guys in college have that? So who, that's so. My point is, he has the ability of a Miles Garrett, <laughs> but we've never seen him have to go to his changeup. It's like when you're a college pitcher. I'll give you a baseball analogy because I know I nothing about baseball. You're throwing 92 miles an hour. Nobody can catch up to it. You get to the pros, people will catch up to it. You have to have an off-speed pitch. You got to have two or three pitches. I'm not saying he can't learn it. I'm not saying he doesn't have it. All I'm saying is I haven't seen it. And so if I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm going to say until I'm going to anoint him all pro, I want to be able to see him develop some different pass rush moves to beat guys with because there will be guys in the NFL that can keep up with him. And what you're saying makes sense. But how many times once you were established in the league, so let's just say year two, did you ever face a rookie where you were like, that guy's got a changeup? I mean, how often does that happen? I, I agree. And what I will I say is happened. I still agree that I think he's going to be an all pro. All I'm just trying to say is be the draft guru expert that we all hear right now of what are the potential pitfalls of a draft pick? And that would be his because everything else he checks. That I box. just haven't seen it because that, yeah. that's not even a thing. So when I, when I was coming from Canada to the NFL, I remember my agent sent my tape to the Vikings and the Vikings scout were interested. They were having a, a workout just for potential CFL players. They thought might have a chance. They, they invited like 15 CFL players and I didn't make the list of players to come work out. And his reasoning to my agent was he didn't have on his tape any contested catches. So whenever he said, you don't have contested catches, <laughs> my thing was, well, because I'm the quickest person on the field, no one's ever going to be near me when I'm catching the ball. <laughs> it's great. not a knock that he's better physically than everybody he went against. That is absolutely why he's being considered as the number one overall player. Right. Okay. All I'm trying to tell you is this is potentially the pitfall that he would run into. Okay. That's the All only right. thing you can say when you watch him on tape. All right, next one. We'll move on to this one. All right, who is the guy who needs to land on the right team to succeed? I feel like I should go first because you guys are going to pick 13 people before it gets to me. I only picked one. And I'm going to be picking <laughs> seventh rounders. But I will still give you the floor. Joe, you, you go throw first. Those missiles who is at the me, guy? Right? No, I'm not going Joe first. I'm going Chris first because I know he's picking multiple guys. Chris. Who is the guy who needs to land in the right spot to succeed? Okay. This is kind of a, a strange one. He's a little off the beaten path, but it's a position that the Browns are in need of, and that's linebacker. Mm -hmm. Willie Gay Jr. is a guy from Mississippi State. He only started six college games, in part because he was kind of a knucklehead in college. Mm -hmm. I think he was just suspended eight games last year or something like that, mm -hmm. including there was one report that he punched the quarterback in the face before the bowl game. Not happens. Not, Okay, right. Uh, probably I hate not. when that happens. Yeah, we've, all, we've all done that. Was it on your resume coming from the CFL? Obviously. <laughs> so we can write down. Um, Only if he punched, deserved it. Punched teammate in the face for the Montreal Alouettes. Yep. And had no contested catches. So these are two <laughs> strikes. And he shows Moxie. And 5-5. Five, five. Mm. <laughs> How did you make it in the NFL, Hawk? That's what I'm starting to wonder. Yeah, man. Um, apparently, he's got a ton of skill. I mean, like high second round sort of talent, according to a lot of people out there. And for me, it's not like the scheme or anything. It's the coaching staff. Like if you can get a coach that can – how many guys have you – both of you played with, you're like, if you weren't such a knucklehead, you would make $20 million. Yeah. Isn't that – right? So a for year, me, that's some, a year that could have been making that. Right? Was there okay, one well, that guy? makes sense. Give me one guy. Give me one guy. I want to know. I mean, obviously, Josh Gordon. He. I mean, uh, well, that's a different. Such a. Josh different. Gordon could be two hundred million dollars in his bank. And I mean, there's a lot uh, going on. I don't even want to say he's a knucklehead because those are things that. Yeah, that's. A I really sickness. think he has like a sickness, right? So it's yeah. it's not even apples to apples. So does this guy? Does he have any other off field offenses? Is or is like? Uh, apparently, it was uh, some academic stuff, which okay. you know, according to the NFL bylaws, you do not have to attend class. Yep. Just meetings. Oh, so, man, so I'd never good. forget going professional football and having no class and how happy I was. Yeah, I'm like, this, this is, is so easy. Stop, you're, so but easy. you're a smart guy. You like I class. know, but like college is the worst thing. College is the hardest thing you will ever do. College football, like you four or five years, you don't get a break. No, there's not a day. There's not a point in time throughout the year where mm -hmm. you are not doing class and football and just just constantly being worn down. 
So yeah, I really felt bad. I felt bad for you guys getting jobs. all the hotties. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's losers who are calling. Can't grow know, a beard. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> well, Hawk makes a good point, though, because in college you do your 6 a.m. workout. Then you go to class from 8 to 2. And then when most kids are done at 2, you're going to practice. And mm-hmm. then you got practice. And then you got meetings. And then you got uh, dinner. And then you got study table, which and is prob- the only reason that class. you actually get your stuff done. And then sometimes mm-hmm. you have night classes. And then you get up and you do it all over again. But I will so say the weekends the time are pretty fun, the especially hotties, in the offseason. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You all found Saturday. We've got to start putting that players. in the schedule, man. I live it's with hard. two football players at Miami University. They found oh, time. shoot. We got to do a whole a whole podcast just about that. That's Tomahawk after dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah baby. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to go next, Joe, before you pick your player. My player Perfect. is Jalen Hurts. I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan, just the way he like carries it. himself. I think he's a leader. I think showing that kind of resiliency and the bounce back throughout his career. And like we've known him and we've seen him at Alabama. We've seen him have huge comeback wins. We've seen him, you know, bite the bullet when Tua became the man and him still coming through for his team late in the season. I think those are the characteristics of a quarterback that uh, kind of hinge your upon your success or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the way the game is changing he has a very, very good skill set for this new era of QB. So if he's in the right situation, like a lot of guys, and I know that's someone always says that, but it's true because there's there's so many shitty coaches in the NFL that you you assume that the players aren't good, but it's really it's the coaches because like Bill Belichick says, uh, I have no idea what he says, but it's something to the point of uh, uh, it says we're on to you Cincinnati. Can't play shitty coaches. That's what he says. Yeah, we're on to Cincinnati. He says. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It's like what Belichick says. Next question. Next question. All right, Joe, who's your guy? So this will be an interesting one. Um, Makai Becton, right? Mm. He has the highest ceiling of any offensive lineman in this NFL draft. He's 6'8", 365. He moves kind of like Jonathan Ogden. But he doesn't have the detailed technique yet. And so when I say that I think he is potentially the best lineman in the draft, it's because I look at that great ceiling that he has, but he hasn't tapped into all that potential yet. And so he needs to be able to get into the right system and the right scheme to fit his skill sets, which I believe the Browns have. And that's why I've been a big advocate of the Browns drafting him because when I watch his footwork, when he's running the outside zone schemes, he is absolutely mauling people. He gets He's got really good feet. He gets on a right, on a good track, and he just caves down the defensive line, whether he's on the front side of an outside zone or the back side of an outside zone. Um, but when you watch him in pass pro, just drop back pass pro, he's not the best right now. He's got a lot of work to do. And so when I look at his game, if he gets into a system that's similar to the Browns or the 49ers, he's going to be extremely dominant. I really believe it. If he gets the right offensive line coach who can develop all that talent that he has, where they can just rep him and rep him and rep him and get those skills that he needs in order to be successful, he's going to be an all pro. But if he's in a system that doesn't fit his skill set, where it's just a lot of drop back pass and he doesn't have a great offensive line coach to develop some of that skill sets, I could see some frustration building. And there's a little bit of a concern that's going around because he failed a drug test at the combine. And so you wonder about self-discipline when you talk about a guy that knows he's going to have a drug test at the combine, still fails a drug test. What happens if you get a little adversity early on in your career? Does some of those discipline issues bubble up? I don't know. And so for me, I think that he needs to go to the right team and he's going to be an all pro for a decade. But if he goes to the wrong situation, it could be really bad for him. Mm. I like that. Um, The the, the next point is the Joe Thomas can't miss big ugly offensive lineman stamp of approval. But I feel like you've Mm. covered all the offensive linemen. I've pretty much covered that. Yeah, pretty much. I'll let you guys go that. We're going to gloss over that one and we're going to go to the next one. This is the Chris Rose media darling <laughs> charm the pants off the coach and impress the owner's daughter nominee. These are the players who you're like, man, I love this kid. Just everything he represents. Yeah. I'll go first. Go I'm going Jake Fromm. I've interviewed uh-huh. Jake Fromm twice, once at the Super Bowl, once at the combine. And there were reports later on that he was impressing every coach that interviewed him through the process. He is a dude who is buttoned up. He is a kid that is hungry. You can just tell how much thought, effort, and energy went into him and the way he's presenting himself because he's doing everything he possibly can to give himself a chance to be the quarterback of an organization. And those are the kind of kids that I love to bet on. So 
that's my my pick for that very long title of this category. Well, first of all, title, I appreciate though. the title. I appreciate yeah, the title. I don't beautiful. know where I can. Is there anywhere I could on one of these walls I could fit that? We'll in send there? you a trophy. We actually own the trademark, so we'd have to oh, see you. you so, oh, yeah, okay. fortunate. We're businessmen okay. first, Chris. I understand. Believe me, <laughs> <laughs> I get it all. Um, yeah, usually people think of this as a quarterback award. So Jake Fromm makes sense. Probably Justin Herbert does. Um, you know, in part because he looks like sunshine from Remember <laughs> he does. the Titans. He, he really does. He didn't charm me though when I talked to him. But go ahead, okay. continue. For me. I'm going linebacker and Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. Um, you're talking about a guy that became the captain as a sophomore at mm-hmm. Oklahoma. His parents raised three special needs kids, and he's been very much a, a huge part of their lives. And then last summer, he was driving along the street with his girlfriend, and somebody was in distress. He performed CPR and saved this woman's life. Like, you know, you had me at hello. Right. And it's that simple. Like the guy is on top of being just a great football player. He's just an awesome dude. And he's probably we always hear about the cleanest prospect in the draft. Like two years ago, that was Saquon. There wasn't one thing that you heard negative about the guy. Um, Kenneth Murray's probably the guy. And let's just hope he doesn't fall to Baltimore. Please. please. <laughs> <laughs> Hate that cheer for a guy like that. If that happens, we're in trouble. Joe, you're up. What do you got? That's a great one because I, I I watched Joe walk by um, a family who had dr- driven from California to Fake Wisconsin news. for an autograph, and their car broke down halfway, so they walked the rest of the way. And I watched Joe walk right by him and say he was busy right now. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm uh, you know, m- mine is actually Jonathan Taylor. It sounds like I'm a homer because he's a Wisconsin guy, but I've got to know you him are. over the last few years, and he is such an impressive young man. He's extremely bright. He's extremely well-studied. He plays his butt off. He's been the man on campus since he got there at Wisconsin for three years. Um, it's in- it's incredible how humble he stayed because people always ask me, like, oh, is it hard for you to go back to Madison? Everyone recognize you? I'm like, no, there's only two people that get recognized on the football team at Wisconsin. That's the quarterback and the running back. And the running back is the star on campus. Outside of Barry Alvarez, who they call King Barry in Wisconsin, it is whoever your star running back is. Going back to Ron Dane and Anthony Davis, P.J. Hill, uh, all those great running backs that Wisconsin have had, they're always the biggest stars. And sometimes it's easy. When you're the star for so long, you become a little full of yourself. And that is not Jonathan Taylor at all. He is this year's Saquon Barkley. Um, a tremendous talent and a tremendous person and tremendous teammate to go with it. So my vote is Jonathan Taylor. Did you get picked in the first round? That is the question. I, I think he goes at the beginning of the second round mm-hmm. because he's a great person. The problem is he's a running back. And he doesn't catch the ball at a level of like a Christian McCaffrey where you can put him on the field for three downs. And so I think a lot of teams, if they're going to take a running back in the first round, they need to be able to put him at slot receiver in a lot of their formations and a lot of their personnel packages and make him a weapon outside of that, outside of just being a a running back where you just turn around and hand him the football. Mm -hmm. All right. So the the next category is the Andrew Hawkins sticky fingers, tough as nails, fast feet, pass catcher to watch. Uh, I'll give the floor to you guys. <laughs> Who you got? Uh, I've got Justin Jefferson from LSU. I think that kid's a stud, man. And the, he doesn't get the the pub that Judy, Ruggs, C.D. Lamb get. I, he might be the best one of them all. Mm, he might mm. be. And, and I said that Jerry Judy is going to be, a, you know, a pro bowler. Right off the bat, but I, I love Justin Jefferson, everything he brings to an offense. I like I think that. It's awesome. Joe, what do you got? Well, I'll steal it from Chris. I'll, I'll go uh, Jerry Judy. I, I love everything about him, his size, his speed, the way he catches the football. He's a great person, which uh, dealing with a receiver – Every single week, uh, I understand how difficult they can be, but he is not one of those diva receivers, and I think any team would be very, very lucky to be able to have him. I like both of those picks. I'm not going to go Jerry Judy because you said it. I'm going to actually give you three other names, though. Oh, gosh. Number one, I'm going LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. Good one. He is a ball player. He's not going to wow you with the numbers, the speed, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, but when he's on the field, he has a lot of those Jarvis Landry qualities where he just kind of takes over a game. Mm-hmm. And then when you're watching, you're like, yo, this dude, he is the guy that's in charge here. 
Big fan of him. Number he went two, to Colorado, I, by the way, for people that aren't familiar. Oh, yeah, see you, go. Boulder. There you go. Uh, a great next school. One. Visited K- there out of college. KJ Hamler. Out of high school. Ooh, you visited it. Colorado? I visited Colorado. Yeah, partly because it was a great party school and I wanted to yeah. check out it's the scene. Like Wisconsin. But they actually had a pretty good program. Gary Barnett was there at the time. Yeah. And oh, yeah. The, the CU campus in Boulder is absolutely stunning. Wilson I love the mountains. Field is I love awesome. Outside, oh my God, we went to the game on Folsom Field. It was so cool seeing the Buffalo run out yeah, and Ralphie. looking up into the mountains. I mean, it's gorgeous. They get like 300 plus days of sunshine a year. So it's for a kid That's from Wisconsin, decent. there there was a lot of attractive qualities about CU Boulder. They just didn't, Wisconsin just gave you a little more money than Colorado did. The Brinks okay. truck was like a, a 17 footer and the Brinks truck from CU Boulder was only the 15 footer. So yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it makes you can put a lot more gold bars with that extra two feet. That's so weird because I had to pay to go to college. I don't understand this stuff. <laughs> you guys can explain it to me after we're done. Joe took a pay cut when he went to the Browns. Um, okay, so I'm going KJ Hamler. KJ Hamler, receiver out of Penn State. He's one of the best route runners. Jerry Judy's in that category. KJ Jr. coming out. But, I mean, one-on-one, there's nobody that can guard him, and that's something that does translate to the NFL. When you're going against another guy, can mm-hmm. you win the majority of the time? KJ is quick, fast, and can do that. Great hands. Uh, my last one is the underrated prospect receiver. His name is C.J. Sanders. Neither one of you have heard of C.J. Sanders. C.J. Sanders is a receiver and return man at an SMU. He went to Notre Dame out of high school, transferred after three years. He majority did returning, but I seen his pro day drills and numbers. Crazy, like four, four, three, four, uh, 40, three, eight short shuttle. But C.J. Sanders, did you guys ever see the movie Ray with Jamie Foxx? The Ray Charles. Oh, yes. Yes. C.J. Sanders played the kid version of Ray. No way. In Ray Charles. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That's cool. That's a fun fact. An award-winning actor, and he gave up acting when he was 12 to focus on football, graduated from Notre Dame in three years, graduate transfer to SMU. So I think he's going to be a late round undrafted uh-huh. guy that could make some noise. These are your worlds coming Christmas. together. Hawk. That's yeah. what it is. Everything coming together. That's all my picks. Has he won an Oscar yet? He hasn't yet. Yeah. Have him call you when he does. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, last question. This is the right in. And this is the, probably the most important one for anybody listening to the podcast. Who should the Browns pick <sighs> with their first round pick? <laughs> I'm not Joe, going first. You've knocked him. You've knocked I'll, him down. I'll give it to Joe. Joe, here it is. I heard you got killed on Twitter for your pick that you did with the mock draft at the NFL. Yeah. So, so I understand that there's a lot of controversy around the top four offensive tackles, and the Browns need a left tackle. Yeah. And Andrew I'm cool Thomas. with that. And everybody loves Andrew Thomas. It seems like because he was a left tackle in college, he played in, at Georgia. He was a two-time All-American. The guy's an extremely good athlete. Like, there's no obvious blemishes and I'm okay with that, but I'm, I'm maybe a little like you Hawk. I have an ego about my ability to watch somebody move at the position that they're playing that Mm -hmm. both of us played. And just by watching the way they move, I feel like in my own head that I can extrapolate that and see if what they do will be good enough to be able to adopt the NFL technique that you need in order to have success and to be able to play at the speed with which you have to play at an NFL level to be able to keep up with grown men that are the best of the best that were all all Americans when they were in college. And when I watched Jedrick Wills, he immediately pops off the film as he is that guy that when you see him, he moves and he moves men like you should and like you can at the NFL level. And it didn't pop the same way when I watched those other three guys. Um, and so, although I like Andrew Thomas, if the Browns grab Andrew Thomas, I think they're going to be really fortunate because there's four great tackles in this draft. But Jedrick Wills, to me, is that one guy that just watching him, he just pops. All right. Jedrick Wills. What do you got for me, Chris? Okay. I want to go back one second. If they do draft Andrew Thomas and they give him number 73, are you going to be pissed yes. off? <laughs> no, I, I think it'd be <laughs> that's, great. That's because why. No, 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 So actually, uh, to me, it would be a great honor because I think all four of those guys are going to be great NFL players. And so for Andrew Thomas, if the Browns draft him at number 10 to be able to wear my number, I I would be really humbled because I think he's going to be there for 10 plus years. Doug Deacon wore 73 before I did. Uh, Dick Shafrath, I think was uh, 73. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure. 
Um, and so the Browns have this great legacy of offensive tackles for a, a long period of time, going back to Lou Groza, the last few of which have worn 73. So I think it would be awesome and be a great part of the story for Andrew Thomas to come in, wear 73 with Thomas on the back. I already have a couple of those jerseys in my closet, so I don't have to buy a new one. Save me a hundred bucks. I'm a happy camper. I just want him to be a Browns great so I can replace you. And it could be such a seamless <laughs> the Tomahawk transition. Show oh, it just continues Andrew on. and Andrew. Yes, Andrew, imagine it. that. Two Andrews with the Tomahawk Show. <laughs> be oh, easy. goodness. This is good. He's got it all worked out. Yeah. And he won't be doing it from his log cabin up in Wisconsin. No. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Andrew Thomas uh, would love to move to L.A. to do okay, the show so in person. I hate giving double answers. But it's the if we stay and if we go scenario. Well, that's okay. a great point because we're sitting in a great position and then trading position. down actually might be the right move. Totally. If you can trade down and still get one of those tackles, that's the right move then. You don't have to go and take one of those other guys. So here's what I think. Well, if we stay, um, you have convinced me on, on the Jedrick Wills that I was just very concerned about him moving from right to left. I will. You know something about the position. I will take that into consideration <laughs> before turning in the card. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Denver and Atlanta are fighting over for that spot in the top 10. And I think that one of the two of those teams are going to move and call the Browns. And I don't think that the Browns are going to end up getting one of those tackles at at 15 or 16. Uh, Denver's 15 and Atlanta's 16. I think they're going to take Javon Kinlaw, who's a defensive lineman out of South Carolina. I think he might fall to that spot because I think there's a few teams that want receivers and I think the Jets want to tackle, and there might be one other team that wants to tackle before the Browns get to 15. And then they might pick up one of those tackles, whether it's an Ezra Cleveland from Boise State, a Josh Jones from Houston. I don't know if you've watched enough tape on those guys, Joe, to say yay, but it might be one. You know, Austin Jackson from USC is getting a lot of steam. Mm. He's one of the youngest players in the draft at 20 years old. I think that's what's going to happen. Mm, I like that. I, I like those options. And that's why where the Browns are sitting at 10 is such a great position because they can trade back and they don't have to take one of those top four tackles. I'm with you. There's, there's three guys that you just mentioned that can be had in maybe the late first, early second that could still fill that need. They could still take a safety or a defensive lineman, which are positions of need. And if they're sitting and they trade back to 15 or 16, they could still get a top 10 talent at safety uh, or defensive line that they would have been able to get uh, in the top 10. And when they trade back, they're able to get an extra draft pick. So um, the other thing that we haven't even mentioned yet is Trent Williams. I knew it. Still available as a trade. I know. And Trent, you you talk about a guy that in September is going to be the best tackle in the NFL if they all suit up. It's going to be Trent Williams over all these guys. Trent's an all-pro, a Hall of Fame offensive tackle. And I know that you would probably have to give up a second-round pick. You'd have to sign him to do a new contract. But if you trade for Trent, trade back out of that 10 spot, you Uh could theoretically uh, shore up your left tackle position, shore up your defensive line, or shore up your safety need with a top 10 talent at either of those positions, and pick up an extra first-round pick when Mm -hmm. you trade back. So they've got a lot of options. There's a lot of iterations that the Browns have. They're in a really good spot, and the more options, the more doors you have to possibly open when you're the GM, the more likely it is that you're going to end up with a really good situation. I like that. I like the sign Trent Williams. Yes. Trade back. Um, did you guys put any give any credence to the Odell Beckham rumors? No, not for not no. for the compensation a two and a five after what Minnesota got. Yeah, for Stephon Diggs. No, no. way. Sorry. No. There was some part of me that felt like it was like a floating thing. Like, ah, oh, maybe this will get people to call and see what what is out hey, there. Hawk, you and I know that. No matter who you are in the NFL, there's a price for your head. Absolutely. And with Odell, there's a price. And the Browns would trade him if the price was right. But it's got to be a first rounder and something else. They're not going to give him up for pennies because they're not trying to get rid of him. But if somebody's going to throw something crazy at him, they'll they'll listen. Absolutely. All right. So my pick for the first round is Andrew Thomas. I'm big into names. And I 1,000% want Andrew Thomas to be there and be the poster chat of the Tomahawk show. Um, so, yeah, that's my only. I know we need a tackle. I can't tell you if he's any good or not. I'll leave that to Joe. Uh, but if he says Jedrick Andrew Wills, Thomas is a great player. My gut tells me Joe is wrong. So we're going to go Andrew Thomas. 
Okay. Um, any chance this plays out like the movie Draft Day, which I showed my son Ooh. when the quarantine hit. And oh, my gosh, dude, if you would have he loved it. I don't know how people review Draft Day. And uh, I don't think it was very critically acclaimed. But if you great. ask my son, it's bullshit that it didn't win an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> he could well, not believe there was a Browns movie out about draft. And I'm like, yeah, man, this is crazy. Well, I did write something down on a piece of paper today, and I've had it in my pocket. So let's see what it is. Well, all it says is Michael, and it's got some freakish guy on it. So I don't know. We're going to be apparently we're going to be drafting Michael. Michael, who looks very unathletic on this. Chris, if, if we draft somebody named Michael oh with our God. first round pick, what happened? You, to my ear? friend, with that beard and that prediction, you're going to the top. Hey, man, I went from this as a little kid to this oh. now. Oh that wow! Fantastic! There you go. Jeez, what a what a handsome lad right I there. Know what happened? And a nice jersey. He Brown had the long sleeves jersey. on there too. Yeah, that was my Brian Sykes jersey in the backyard in Shaker Heights, Ohio. There you go, <laughs> Shaker. All right. Well, oh. I think that does it, man. Chris, we appreciate you joining us here on the Tomahawk Show, brother. Anytime, boys. I appreciate it as always. Hopefully, we get to work again sometime in the near future out at NFL mm. Network. Absolutely. We should just do a show on the NFL Hell yeah. history. You guys down? Yeah. I I'm am down. I'm not leaving yeah. my house, but yeah, for sure. If I can patch in. <laughs> I don't I'm think anybody is for a while. Yeah. So yeah. You're that shouldn't luck, be a big huh? issue. You're in luck. <laughs> and you know what? We'll pipe in Andrew Thomas when he becomes a yeah, there you go. Now perfect. you're talking about language. All right. That does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Show. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit us up on social media at Tomahawk Show on Reddit, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, Joe, final thoughts. Final thoughts are, uh, man, 100 million people will be watching the NFL draft this week. It might surpass the number of viewers for the Super Bowl because there has never been more pent-up demand for actual almost sports in the history of football. So uh, I'll be one of them. I'm pretty excited myself. It's going to be pretty cool. There's a lot of teams that have a lot of needs and a lot of people that need to watch some sports. So the NFL draft, thank God it's here. Yeah, now you're changing your tune since you big-timed him 15 years ago. Chris, (laughs) take us out, brother. Joe, hawk yourself. (laughs) 